0: But you're a little late for Halloween. Name's Hobgoblin, And you're right on time
1: for your funeral. He won't be a match for Spidey. Ah, I hope they finish each other off. You can with little pretty forget that
0: I Episode 35 for June 2008. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They're an online leader in comic book subscriptions. and They offer discounts from 38 up to 75% off the cover price of new comics, And one of the specials this month includes the Spider-Man One More Day trade paperback. The cover price is $20. Mail order has it for $9.99. So be sure to check out mailordercomics.com for your comic fix. Welcome back, Webheads. I'm honored to have our guest this month. It's none other than Spider-Man legend, writer Roger Stern. If you grew up in the 80s like I did, you know his work quite well from his legendary Hobgoblin arc, that classic juggernaut two-parter. And, of course, his classic, The Kid Who Collected Spider-Man. Well, needless to say, he's one of my all-time favorites. And we jump in the conversation with him talking about the first time he got to write the character of Spider-Man. I was doing a little research, and correct me if I'm wrong, but was Spectacular Spider-Man 43 your first uh tackling of Spider-Man?
2: That was the first one written. uh did an issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Was it 207? I don't remember the numbers anymore. Yeah. <laughs> might have come out... uh before that, they came out around the same time. Back in
0: the eight so nineteen eighty, I, I think.
2: Yeah, I I'd, I'd, I'd written the uh, the uh, spectacular first. Mm-hmm. Although with, with the, the strangeness of publishing, who knows what was actually all <laughs> <saw> print first. <laughs> and uh, that
0: spectacular forty three was the first appearance of Ro, uh, Roderick Kingsley, who who came back to uh, be well known for some Spider fans. Talk a bit about how you landed the spectacular job.
2: Well, I'd been. Uh, on editorial at, at Marvel.
0: Uh-huh.
2: And I'd, uh huh. Taking the contract, I was going off staff to, to write full time. And, uh, I had, uh, one book lined up with Captain America. Mm-hmm. I was sort of casting around for the because I only needed two, uh, books to fulfill my, my quota. Right. Uh, for my contract. And, uh, Denny O'Neill, and I, came, I was still sort of closing down my editorial office at Marvel, and, and uh, passing things over to Jim Salakrup, and, danny O'Neill came, uh, came in and said, asked me if I'd be interested in writing Spectacular Spider-Man, mm-hmm. and I said, let me think about it a few minutes, he said, okay, fine, but no, no hurry, and, uh, I thought about it, and I'm going, you know, writing Spider-Man, big responsibility, Spider-Man, always one of my, my favorite, uh, characters, mm-hmm. I, growing up, and I, uh, thought about it a little bit and going, I am really Spider Man's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. You well know, it, it it's not amazing Spider Man, it's spectacular Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even though uh, I was trying to give equal credence to both books, I'm going people don't pay as much attention to this as they do amazing. Right. <laughs> so can, if if I screw up badly not as many people will notice. Yeah. And I was looking at things and I went into the office and I says, okay, I'll do it on one condition. And he says, what's that? And I said, that we fixed the logo. In <laughs> <laughs> Spectacular Spider-Man, had, had been uh, put together. A lot of things had to happen very quickly. And if you look at the first, you know, 40-some issues, right. the M in Spider-Man is crooked. <laughs> I never and, noticed and I, that. And I, and I, and I said, you know, I'll do it on the condition we fix the M. And he says, what do you mean? And I took a ruler. and I says, look. He goes, it's crooked. And I said, yes. <laughs> so they, took it they, they fixed it, and, and from, from then on, uh, the Iron in Spider-Man was it crooked. At me.
0: <laughs> you know, I also, you know, spectacular. Was Peter Parker the spectacular Spider-Man? That's one of the longest <laughs> titles I've, I've ever heard of. I would, I would imagine that <laughs> would be.
2: On and on and on it goes, yeah.
0: Exactly. <laughs> and I guess you, you said it was kind of the, the stepchild of the Spider-Man line, because he had Marvel team up also.
2: Yeah, but, but the, you know, well, well team up. was always Spider-Man and someone else. Although occasionally it was the Human Torch and someone else. Right. And, and even less occasionally the Hulk and someone else. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Sp- team up. Team up was, and it's sort of an odd duck. <laughs> I mean, it was with team up was what I used to refer to as a fake book. A fake book. <laughs> a <laughs> How fake come? Book because because you know, you, Spider-Man. Spider-Man has a reason for being. You know, right. Uh, the Fantastic Four has a reason for being. Even Marvel. Two-in-a-one and sort of a reason. That was sort of like the thing's day off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he wasn't with the FF. He was off doing something else. Right. Yeah, and and team-up, I believe, as originally conceived, would be two Marvel characters teaming up. Mm-hmm. Uh. And But, of course, it was around this time that, that upper management was discovering, you know, Spider-Man sells really well. And, <laughs> and so Roy Thompson watching... Marvel team up, of course, had put Spider Man and the Human Torch in. Sold phenomenally well. And Spider Man is so well. And it became a Spider Man team up book. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, and it sold well because everyone loves Spider Man. But it sort of, sort of twisted the whole idea that Spider Man is, Spider-Man is, you know, the loner. He's out there by himself. <laughs> and every month he comes he up and has a cool adventure with somebody. No kidding. No <laughs> kidding. DC comic, you know, the yeah. <laughs> the, the, the 60s, or, what? You know, Spider-Man doesn't, doesn't get along with anyone, except once a month,
0: he, he's up with. <laughs> he's the revolving team member. <laughs> revolving team member, you know? Yeah, exactly. Now, one of my favorite issues from your run on Spectacular Spider-Man was number 58 with The Ringer, and uh, oh, yeah, love that one, uh, and uh, John Byrne had some great artwork on there, and... Mm-hmm. I was reading an uh, interview with you from a few years ago, and was Byrne originally going to be the Spectacular Spider-Man artist? Because we've had a revolving door. Yeah, absolutely,
2: we, uh, we. Like we used to say, if you, uh, "Spectacular was sort of the relative stepchild of the Spider-Man books at right. that point, And uh, getting a regular team, like Marie Severin, was supposed to be the regular penciler. Right. But her t- Marie is so incredibly talented, and she was always being pulled off to do special projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the. The St. Francis book was one of them, and, you know, special projects, we need Marie for this, but what's he supposed to be doing? You know, so, <laughs> someone else would go in this month, and then someone else would go in the month after that. And, and that's the point that, And and John, uh, John and I have been friends for a long time, and, and he was like Detroit Spider-Man, yeah. and we'd set things up uh, so that he could, uh, would be the penciler on, on Spectacular, but then... With the Fantastic Four, he wound up inking the Fantastic Four as well as penciling it more mm-hmm. times. He said, "Well, let me get ahead on that." And by the time he was ahead on on that, and they changed deadlines once or twice again during that whole uh, melee, yeah, I wasn't unspectacular anymore. So we wound up doing just the one issue together.
0: Yeah, that, talk about the Ringer. I mean, he he's just—is it fun to write loser characters like that? I
2: mean, I love the well, Ringer. he it was it was you know, the Ringer had appeared. Uh, either once or twice before in The Defenders. It's this, this sort of crazy, off-the-wall character. Right. And going, well, you know, let's let's have Spider-Man have a little fun for an issue. You yeah. Know, we'll put him up against a guy who's nowhere in his league <laughs> and, and would never go up against Spider-Man except that he's being manipulated by another villain. Right. And so it's just like Spider-Man having, having a fun fight over the rooftops of Manhattan. You know, well, well, this guy's going, fine. <laughs> That's one of my
0: favorite things about your Spider-Man, too. You, you include the humor. A lot of Spider-Man artists, or I mean writers, forget the humor of the character. Is it fun to write, or is it hard to write, a uh, uh, funny Spider-Man?
2: It's great fun to write. Well, of course, yeah. because Spider-Man is so incredibly witty, but I can take a couple of weeks to think of what he's going to say. Yeah. <laughs> necessarily that, 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 you know, Spider-Man is that much funnier than me, he's, but he's much faster than me. <laughs>
0: See, I have that problem, you know, when you're in a, a in your argument or something, you always think uh, minutes or hours later of a, the best line. So you have that exactly. that ability to do with Spider-Man, I guess. And
2: then, since I have the lead time, Spider-Man yeah. comes up with, right off the bat. The <laughs> know, about Spider-Man is, he like, you, know, Peter Parker, yeah. he's, you know, he has a decent sense of humor, but he puts on that mask, so he can get away with anything. Exactly. And, it was- and Daffy Duck all the <laughs> <laughs> now was Sp-
0: writing Spider-Man a dream come true when you got you were offered the spectacular Spider-Man job?
2: Well, it, it was it was a little you know tension building at first because yeah. writing Spider-Man, you know, but it was so much fun. Yeah. yeah, I got to work. I worked with a lot of great artists, and, mm-hmm. and it just got more and more fun.
0: Right. It just went along. And a lot, of, a lot of your stories, I've noticed a certain villain pops up. The Vulture seems to pop up. He was in your uh, spectacular and your amazing run. Is he one of your
2: favorites? I love the Vulture. Yeah. The Vulture was one of the earliest uh, Spider-Man stories that I read. Like first started uh, reading Spider-Man uh, it was Marvel Tales, I think number four or five, something like whichever one reprinted uh, Amazing Spider-Man number seven. Mm-hmm. which was return of the vulture which was another you know like fun fight yeah. because i mean spider man had a like a, a sprained arm during most of it right. and it this incredible you know wild running battle through the Daily Eagle building
1: mm-hmm.
2: that's that's craziness. and going but this is great i love this and to me the vulture is the perfect spider man going
0: mhm
2: he's like you know old age and cunning Versus youth and determination,
0: <laughs> and they meet in the middle somewhere. <laughs> yeah.
2: and, 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 like, he's this old guy who, who can, you know, wail away on Spider-Man and give him a hard time. Yeah, it, it, it was funny. You know, it was, I was—I've probably written you know, three or four times in different stories, and it wasn't until like midway through my run on Amazing Spider-Man I realized he doesn't have an origin. <laughs> no one's ever given an, yeah. an origin. Oh boy, I'm gonna give
0: the origin. <laughs> that was, uh, Amazing 224, I think, is where he, is that where the origin was? No, that was, that was, uh, a little later. Oh, okay.
2: Uh, it, it was, it was after the introduction of the Hobby office, so it's around the, the
0: 230s, 240s. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Awesome. And, um going, going back, uh, to hit Spectacular one more time, I think in issue 50 or something like that, you actually, uh, Tackled a mystery that had not been solved for years about the aliens. That was an amazing Spider-Man number two. Right, Talk bit right. about that one. Not many people know about that.
2: I, I was actually following up on something that Lin was established right. uh, when it, during his run on, on Amazing when he brought back the Tinkerer. Right. If, if you, yeah. folks, go out you know, if, if you need a cheap copy, just you know grab a hold of, of the first Spider-Man Essentials issue two. We got the Tinkerer, mm-hmm. this, this really weird sort of wizened Steve Ditko character who who makes things, and he's tied in with some aliens who have some, you know, strange thing going on, and at the end, Spider-Man manages to defeat these guys. They they fly off in a spaceship, and in the ruins of the Tinkerer's shop, he finds, you know. A full face mask of a tinkerer. Oh, the tinkerer must have been an alien too. <laughs> and yep. this, this bugged the crap out of him <laughs> for years. And he's kept yep. going, you know, you know, Spider-Man isn't, Spider-Man is the, the, the kind of guy who, you know, fights Electro and, and the Green Goblin and Dr. Octopus and gets his head handed to him half the time.
0: Right. He doesn't fight aliens from outer space. Only, a, only in, only in, only a Marvel team up.
2: <laughs> only a Marvel team up. Exactly. Years later, only a Marvel team up. Yeah. Exactly. Later, later, team up, yeah. It was like like a Fantastic Four fights aliens from out of his face. Spider Man doesn't fight aliens from his face. It's, it's, it's nuts. So he brought back uh Lynn brought back uh the Tinkerer well, during during his run on Amazing mm-hmm. and you know, put the lie to the fact that he'd been an alien. But he, he there was no graceful way for him to put the lie to to the rest of the aliens. So I did that, <laughs> and, uh, and Spider-Man fifty, uh, and tied it in with Mysterio. Yeah, and the whole thing was part of some ploy, uh, to pull off some hoax on, on someone first, for some.
0: That must be incredibly cool to go back and fix yeah. something that's been bugging you
2: for years. You know. <laughs> yeah, but, but didn't really put the lie to it because it all happened. Yeah, and, uh, you guys were dressed as aliens. Exactly. It was part of some some big plot.
0: (laughs) Now, talk a bit about the transition from spectacular to amazing. How did you get that job?
2: What had happened was that uh, the Spider-Man titles had been divvied up amongst a couple of editors, and they were finally being consolidated when Tom DeFalco came on staff. And Tom's going to be the the editor of all then three Spider-Man books, amazing, spectacular, and and team-up and a couple of other titles besides. Uh, and at the time, uh, Demi O'Neill was going to be leaving... Uh, Let's see if I can remember the exact uh, chain of events here. Demi was leaving Amazing to, to work on something else. And I, I think it turned out to be Iron Man eventually.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, Tom offered me Amazing. Because and, and, he, he liked the work I was doing on Spectacular and... and Need a new writer for Amazing, and so he asked me if I would do Amazing. So by this time I've, I've been writing Spider-Man for a couple of years, and feel more confident about it. Mm-hmm. And Amazing has a regular artist. It has John Romita Jr. Right. He's really good. like, <laughs> Gee, do I continue doing Spectacular, where I don't know who my artist is going to be from one moment to the next, <laughs> or do I go to Amazing, with a really good artist yeah. every month? As the flagship. Yes, I'll go. I'll do it. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, and t- the one of your first issues that you did was one of my all time favorite. Was nothing can stop the juggernaut. A lot of people, a lot of people quote that issue as one of their favorites. I think I saw that uh, as in a top ten list or something on a Wizard magazine poll a while back. Talk a bit about that story. I just love that one.
2: That was one of those stories that I just sort of came up with in the wee in small hours of the morning as I was waking up. I'm trying to think of you know new tough guys to throw up against Spider-Man.
1: Yeah,
2: at the time, Spider-Man's major sort of classic villains, Doctor Octopus and 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 various goblins and and, and, you know Electro characters like that, had been coming back again and again and again, and they kept being defeated more or less the same way. Right, and and it was going, well, what's like. Put them on the side table here until we can come up with something new and different to do with them, <laughs> and use some other villains. Because Marvel has all these villains, you know, they're they're out there, aren't do, necessarily doing anything at one point or another. Let's bring some of them in, and see what's going on. Right. You know, let's, let's give Spider-Man. You know, if Spider-Man fights Doctor Octopus. We know how we're going to fight him. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> great. We know how we're going to fight him. Yeah. Spider-Man fights the Juggernaut. Now he's in trouble. Because <laughs> what's the Juggernaut's power? The Juggernaut's power is that he can't be stopped. Mm-hmm. Okay, Spider-Man, here's your job. Stop Juggernaut.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you know, that actually... Uh, I think I remember in the, Spider-Man and his amazing friends, he w- went up against the Juggernaut. I mean, oh, really? that, that that Yeah, I think because he... Uh, the um, Juggernaut was going after Firestar, and Spider-Man had to hop on him and, and fight him. And I remember... Uh, when I was a kid of the '80s, I remember like, oh, I just read this issue, and now he's on television, yeah. fighting the Juggernaut. So I was—I I did not know that. You did not know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wish those 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 TV shows would be released on DVD, so they could share it with a whole new audience. But will be you know? one of one of my favorite things about that story is, you know, Spider-Man's determination of never giving up, and that I guess that was that the central theme of that that storyline when you wrote it.
2: Yeah, it was one of these things where he, he's he's drawn into the battle because. Adam Webb, who is someone he knows, Mm -hmm. uh, is in danger because of the juggernaut, And and so he's trying to protect her, and he can't. And she's injured. He gets her to the hospital. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to stop this guy. (laughs) One way or another, I'm going to stop this guy.
0: Yeah. he he finally did. Yep, put his mind to it with the responsibility of it. Uh and and you talked a bit about John Romita Jr. I mean when I as I said earlier I'm a kid of the 80s and and the, Romita Jr was the first artwork that I associated with a name and even at even at young in his career it, you could tell there was something special
2: going on with him. Oh, J.R. was was so always good. Yeah. I mean, he was he was look, you know, had a lot of rough edges at the beginning, but he'd already been working on Spider-Man for about a year or so. when uh, I got to work with him and
1: mm-hmm.
2: it was so much fun seeing the pages every month because every month it was better. Yeah. he got better every single month and he's continued to get better. I mean, he's just He's amazing. He, he's so damn good.
0: <laughs> I, I interviewed him a few uh, months ago on this podcast, and uh, he was actually driving around uh, with the pizza box on his lap. His buddy was driving him as I interviewed him. <laughs> but you, he, he talked about in his interview how he had to get out of the shadow of his dad's mm-hmm. big, big image. You know, and, and I think that made him work even harder. I mean, what, what were your thoughts? Uh, I did. I mean, I don't know what the question is, but I mean, what do you think of him having to work even harder to get out of the shadow of his dad?
2: He did because it was, it was one of those things where, you know, there's always been a lot of nepotism in comics. Yeah. Various people, you know, bringing in relatives and, and such. And, and in most cases, it's worked out pretty well because they brought in relatives that were talented. And mm-hmm. so they did well. And I you had you know, John and Marie Severin, you had John and Salvia Sema,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, Larry Lieber is Stan's you know, kid brother. Yeah, a bunch of good stories. He's a, he's a good artist. Uh, you know, if there's, you know, if there is a certain genetic component to talent. Right. And, Jr. Ha, ha, had the genes. He he had the magic. Right. You know, he, uh, he, he very wisely, uh, had a couple of, of very successful runs on Iron Man, right? Know, uh, a character that his dad wasn't associated with. So so that helped. You know, established. Well, you no, know, he's not just you know John the kid. He's he's an artist in his own right. Yeah. And and so he developed it. And he, he, you know, there was there were certain things that he picked up from his dad, but he, he paid attention to other artists and and,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and you know, picked up on on what, how they told stories as well. There's a, there's a lot of John Buscema and John Romita Jr. Because he yeah. everyone loved everyone loved Big John's work. He was just a, a, an amazing amazing artist you sh- picked up other little things from other artists burn right. sure- and Miller and all the, all yeah. the new guys coming along, going, oh, that's
0: good I like that. <laughs> <laughs> now, shortly after the juggernaut storyline, you wrote, this is the one you're best known for, in my opinion, the Hobgoblin origin right. from uh, two thirty eight Talk a bit about the origin of the character from uh, past interviews. I understand you didn't want to bring Norman back. Did Marvel want to bring Norman yeah. back or or how did that there,
2: come about? There, w- there wasn't any any real uh, push from Marvel uh, to bring the goblin back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was this constant, you know, sort of pressure from readers. You know, letters coming all the time, I'll oh, bring back the Green Goblin, bring back the Green Goblin. <laughs> and going, the Green Goblin's dead. You know, he he died after he killed Stacy. Stacey.
1: Yeah.
2: And, and they going, oh, you know, Harry's thing. You know, I said, yeah, Harry isn't really the Goblin. Harry had a psychotic episode and thought he was the Green Goblin. <laughs> you know, yeah. he, he's lucky he didn't get a criminal groin pull from. <laughs> around the city a jet engine. You,
0: know, you thought, thought riding a horse hurt. hurt. <laughs> Try that I mean, goblin lighter. Oh, my God. <laughs> he wasn't
2: super strong the way you know, Norman was, yeah. at least not then. And, you know, his psychiatrist, you know, uh, Mark Hamilton, there's <laughs> a real fake goblin. You know. <laughs> and like, I'm not going to bring another fake goblin.
1: Yeah.
2: And, do a, and, but there was a goblin. Oh, bring him, oh the green goblin is Spider-Man's greatest villain. You know, this is not the vultures is Spider-Man's greatest villain. <laughs> And, so, and and at the same time, I wanted to develop some, some new characters. And the Hobgoblin was sort of you know, my way of having my cake and eating it, too. It was, yeah. Okay, you, you want a goblin. Okay, I'll come up with a new character who uses some of the Goblin's shtick, but is his own villain. Right. And that's what the Hobgoblin is.
0: That's awesome.
2: And... and still, the, the Green Goblin's stuff... Yeah. and the formula, and figure out a safe way to use it <laughs> so we can be strong, but not crazy. You know, exactly. Uh, yeah. A goblin who's not crazy, a goblin who knows exactly what he is doing mm-hmm. in, in, in and in that way is a little even scarier.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
0: And did John Romita Jr. come up with the design of the hobgoblin?
2: Well, yep. John, I John came up with the designs. You know, I'd made some suggestions, but John you know, basically took them and, and did his own little thing, and it was great.
0: Right, and uh, another overlooked aspect of that amazing number two thirty eight is a certain redhead came back. Mary Jane's been Mary Jane had been gone for a little while.
2: Mary Jane had been gone for a little while uh, when when Marv Wolfman had, had been writing the book. You mm-hmm. uh, had you know Mary Jane and Peter getting a little closer together, a little closer, and, and yeah, you know, Pete you know proposed to her. Right. And Mary Jane goes, whoa <laughs> and <laughs> left down. And hadn't been in the book for a couple of years. Yeah. And I always liked Mary Jane, wanted to bring her in. Didn't want her to be engaged to Pete. But <laughs> I figured I'm going to bring Mary Jane in and she's going to be the old girlfriend. Right. So, she maybe had something there for a while, uh, but that's in the past now, but they're still friends. And in fact I was gonna be doing I wanted to do a whole bunch of, of stories where you know Mary Jane Mary Jane is trying to, you know, set beat up with other girls. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, you know, i you no know, just the guy for you. you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you, I can't remember her name, but I remember her appearance in the doorway. He, he, was getting, he was making out with this blonde gal that was trying to make
2: Lance jealous. What was her name? It's Amy Powell. Yeah, that's Amy it. Amy was, was the sort of girl romantic interest yeah. of Lance Bannon, who was yeah. Pete's biggest competition as a <laughs> photographer at the, at the Bugle. Yeah. And yeah, Amy was trying to play, play Pete off to, to make Lance jealous. And, and Lance had, and Pete had found out about this and was like, okay, we're going to get this whole thing together. And <laughs> Amy sort of putting moves uh, on Pete at his apartment. And he's going, yeah. well, wait, there's something here. And you know, he's <laughs> keeping the door. And it's Mary Jane. Yeah. <laughs> Amy wants to go. Why did she have a key to your apartment?
0: No doubt. Mary Jane makes, Mary Jane makes great open the door appearances. Absolutely. Speaking of going one more item on that number 238, what's up with those dang tattoos in the book?
2: The tattoos? The tattoos. I'm told that it's (laughs) worth more if the tattoos are still in there. It It is. is, It was was part of some crazy promotion uh, that Marvel had. It was the the Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four. From that month, have a little insert with the tattoos in them. Yeah,
0: I, that was one of the first items. uh One of those, you know, they often put like uh trading cards or something in comic books, and yeah. I was like, "What in the world is this thing in this book?" <laughs>
2: yeah, I, no idea. You know, came in there, and it was one of those things. In fact. I'm almost afraid that I started this because you know, <laughs> at, at conventions I'd be signing the thing, I open it up, and it says, Oh, look, it's Ultramint. It still has the tattoos. <laughs> go, oh, really? Is that worth, is it worth more? I go, No.
0: <laughs> that, that's funny. I, I just always. That was a successful ad because we're talking about 20 years later. 20 years later. That company probably went under, but they, we're still talking about the ad 20 years later. <laughs> Well, uh, during the uh, the Hobgoblin storyline, you threw out a lot of he- red herrings as far as the identity. I, uh, at one oh, point, I, I even thought Jameson was the, or
2: Flash Thompson were the. Uh, it's uh, funny. A, a lot of people, you can, you you learn about a lot about readers by who they think the mystery villain is. Yeah. You know, just, right, so what character in the strip do you hate the most? Oh, <laughs> uh, it's this guy. You know, he I hate him. He he must be the villain. You know, yeah. Right? Wait a minute! <laughs> it's, it's the same sort of people who want, want to see Aunt May dead. Oh, I hate Aunt May. Like,
1: this,
2: is, this is for all intents and purposes, this is Pete's mom. This is the yeah. who raised him. Geez, what's what's your family like? I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. hey.
0: Now, did did when you first started the storyline, did you have roderick Kinsley as the uh, the villain in, in mind, or did did it okay. evolve?
2: Uh, it, it, it evolved very quickly
0: mm-hmm.
2: with the first story. You know I, I plotted the story, uh, not with with uh, you know a, a, an identity in, in mind for him, but as you know, J.R. drew it and as I was scripting it mm-hmm. you know, and was developing his speech pattern, I suddenly realized, hey, this is Robert Kingsley. <laughs> that's great right. I'll just use him <laughs> I, I pre- created the, the other identity no one can tell me that it, it, it's not a previously established uh, Spider-Man character because that was that was the one thing I was gonna I, I would tell people he's been in Spider-Man before yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, and, and this helped drive him crazy because they were guessing everyone <laughs> and, and no one thought of this guy over here God, you know, he been in three stories. What,
0: what's the weirdest theory you've ever heard
2: <laughs> weirdest uh, yeah I, I think my, it was probably Willie Lumpkin. Willie Lumpkin, Willie Lumpkin. Willy Lumpkin has been the Spider-Man. He's a Fantastic Four character. Yeah. He, now, he, <laughs> people, he's he already cynic. You know, it just, <laughs> he's a letterer. He's just like, well, his name has been in the book before. He's a letterer. He's a, yeah. a real person. This guy.
0: That's classic.
2: But, but there, were, there were a lot of people who thought it was Jameson. Yeah, and uh, well, it was up. It was obvious from the first story that there were two people it couldn't be. Right. It wasn't Peter. Right. And it wasn't Joe Robertson because Joe Joe was with Pete when the uh, uh Green Goblin's, you know, s- sort of secret lair was being uh, right. raided by the, the guy who became the, uh, the Hobgoblin. Yeah. And it's, so it wasn't those two guys. Right. And, and and as as things went on, we saw enough to, to realize that whoever Hobgoblin was, he was Caucasian. Yeah. Okay. So that that to just the white guys in the street.
0: <laughs> What's it like? I mean, what's it like to have? Of uh, you created one of the best known Spider-Man villains. Uh, you know, you've got uh, the Hobgoblin is up there with one of the best, well-known Spider-Man villains. What's it like to add to Lee and Ditko's Rogues Gallery?
2: No, oh, it's 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 a good feeling. Yeah, you know, because I, I, you know, like I said, Spider-Man been a lot to me through through school and, and uh, into college. Yeah, and you know, the idea that something I came up with has become sort of part of the mythos—that's nice. It's it's it's. Yeah. Giving something back, right. you, know, you get a lot of enjoyment out of something, and you try to give something back.
0: Mm-hmm. And one thing I always wondered about was why you left the book because your last issue was uh, the first appearance of the Black Costume, number two fifty two. Yeah, I, I, thought,
1: add,
0: I, I thought that would be a, a I thought that would keep you around. I mean, that, that was a great storyline afterwards that uh, well, I, happened.
2: Well, I just you know, it was one of those things where we were there's an editorial shift. Mm-hmm. Danny Fingeroth was the new editor on uh, on Spider-Man, and I like Danny. Danny's a great guy, very inventive. Still, liking good friends. But the same chem- chemistry wasn't there that we'd had with, with Tom DeFalco
1: mm-hmm.
2: as as the editor. You know, and it was it was one of these things where you know I I'd write a story, and, and Danny would go, well, "Well, this is really great, but but you know yeah. why why does Spider-Man care about this character?" And I'm saying because Aunt May raised him. You know, like, why do I have to explain to the editor why Aunt May is important to the script?
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: and it, was, it was like, you know, like I said, Danny's a great guy, and I knew that if I stayed on the book, one of us was, or both of us were going to go crazy. I was like, you know, it's like I've had a good time up to now. I don't want to spoil it. Yeah. You know, I'll just you, know, the, just, you know. And then Tom DeFalco came, uh, came along and he like blew me out of the water he was just, <laughs> just oh just, I
0: don't I don't know about that I like I love the Hobgoblin mark just as much as the black suit arc but I guess the dr- the dream job became sort of a nightmare after a while
2: <laughs> it, it it just wasn't as fun as it had been yeah uh, and, and uh, I, I wish in many w- ways I, I wish I'd uh, sit in the book a little longer but mm-hmm. yeah, if if I'd known that Ron Friends was coming on the book you know because his JR had, had told me that he was you know going to you know, lay off for a while to spend more time on, on the X-Men because he'd just taken on the X-Men assignment. You right. Had get ahead and, and get himself established there. And it was, it was one of those, well, gee, you know, <laughs> things, things are sort of un, uneven and uncertain now, and, and, and JR's going to be leaving. Maybe I should leave, too. Yeah. You know, it, it makes it, it easier. And, and then Ron came on. Oh, Ron, I love Ron. <laughs> <laughs> now, what was your role with
0: the black suit? Did you know that this was coming down the road?
2: Yeah, well, uh, with the Secret Wars uh, crossovers, uh, Jim Shearer told me that he wanted to do it a, a, as, as sort of a shtick. You know, change a few things. And says, "How about if we get Spider-Man a new suit? Would that bother you?" And I says, "No, that's okay." And I was, you know, on start. I was working on stories, and an idea occurred to me. And I called him up and says, "Hey, how about this?" there's only one thing wrong with Spider-Man's new uniform. He says, what's that? I says, it's alive. <laughs> and he goes, that's sick. And I said, thank you. <laughs> and <he> says, oh, <laughs> <wait."> <laughs> we'll do it, okay. <laughs> that was my contribution. In, in a way, I sort of regret it, Yeah. because that led to Venom. And I know Venom's very popular with, with a, a lot of people. Right. But I always thought he looked stupid.
0: <laughs> with the teeth and the
2: tongue? Yeah. I mean, I mean, well, any character who has that many teeth, I'm sorry he can't close his mouth. <laughs> you know? He's he like... like he's got this big honking tongue as big as his head. Okay. That he has <laughs> some like this <laughs> all the time. He's like a, he's a,
0: he's like he, a Spider-Man T-Rex.
2: <laughs> plus, I mean, he's going to make, make, make Gene Simmons look under-endowed. Come on, guys. <laughs> and, and, I mean, so he's going to be biting that tongue a lot, you know? I don't my tongue. Take a character take that seriously. I'm sorry. Yeah. No. yeah. For those of you who, who really liked Venom, you know, I'm glad he was in the movie for you and all that stuff. <laughs> he, 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 w-
0: he was barely in the movie.
2: Barely <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't seen the third movie. So oh, you I haven't, haven't? I thought I haven't for seen sure he's in yet. No, uh, I haven't seen it yet. Have you seen the other two? Saw so the first two. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: I, I'm. Ho- I, I guess you're hoping for Vulture in number four. <laughs> <laughs> or or Lizard. I think Lizard and Vulture would make a good movie. But. Uh... But going back
2: you to Ron, for Patrick Stewart, probably.
0: Yeah, or Ben Kingsley. What do you think of ben, ben Kingsley?
2: Ben Kingsley would make a great
0: Vulture. I think that'd be perfect casting.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh Going back to Ron Friends a bit, you wrote or and uh, he drew a the one of the most talked about. You've got three. You've got Juggernaut, Hobgoblin, and the Kid who collected Spider Man. Those are those are three of my favorites. Talk great. a bit about that. You said that that one uh, in a past interview I read that it, it uh, you knew it wasn't going to be a full story, but you didn't know where it would fit
2: yeah it was it was it was a short story sort right. of thing. It was one of those stories I woke up with
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, i I woke up with the story and I'm going well this you know it was so fully formed in my head I'm going, this must be a previous story
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know this, this is yeah you let's know, put myself in the same category with, with uh Paul McCartney, but from all I've read, he woke up with <laughs> the the tune yesterday in his head huh and, and the tune was so solid in I he like keep going, da 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 the whole thing. And it was so fully formed of a piece in his mind when he woke up that he figured he must be remembering some other piece. Yeah. And 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 drove everyone he knew crazy for about a month going around saying, listen, have you ever heard this before? da 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 And he's going, no, it's a great tune. What is it? That's what I'm trying to find out. He was worried that you know, his, his mind was recalling a tune he'd heard somewhere, and he wanted to make sure that no, it, it was it was actually his tune.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I, I had this story, it the Spider-Man and, and the kid, and I was convinced it must have been an old Silver Age, you know, uh, Superman story, you mm-hmm. know, for, from when I was just you know, a, a young boy, and I was remembering that and, and substituting Spider-Man into it, in my waking mind, and Luckily, at Marvel, we had two or three people who would worked on, Spider- on Superman at one time or another. I went to him and I says, said, has, like yeah, no, <laughs> has there ever been a Superman story like this? And they're no, that's a great story. Thank you. you. Has there ever been a Superman story like this? Because I knew all the Spider-Man stories. I, it, yeah. There weren't that many at that point. And I'm going, yeah, yeah. So, I, so finally, after a couple of weeks, I was convinced that part of my brain had actually come up with a story. Yeah. So, okay, so I went in and pulled it to the Falcon. He says, oh, that's great. And he says, it's not a whole issue. Maybe it's like an eight-page backup in an annual or something. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, okay, just hang on to it. And we'll figure out some place to put it. And then Assistant Editor's Month came along. And he said, okay, we've got to use this here. And I says, <laughs> okay, fine. So I wrote it up. It came to, you know, 11 pages. Okay, that's half an issue. And so I'd already written this uh, story with, that was bringing in Thunderball and they're saying, I can finish that in half an issue, so I'll do the next you know, issue, is going to be Assistant Editor's Month, I'll do the first half of, of the book, finishing up the Thunderball story, and then we'll do this other story. Mm-hmm. And that's so i uh, are going to So are you happy
0: about that? It's been uh, remembered so fondly?
2: Yeah. You know, I, I, yeah. I, I, I read it from time to time, and it holds up pretty well. There's I think only so, too. There's one reference in it that really dates it, Kid has gotten some kinescopes uh, for, uh, of you know, news footage of, <laughs> of Spider-Man, and, and you know, at the time I wrote it, videotape was coming in, yeah, the newsrooms, but they were still using a lot of film.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's, that's really the only. You know, I think it was a, if it was a disc or something the I uh, yeah, I got this magnetic uh, cube that uh, they had from this thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, I... the kinescope reference is the only thing that really dates it. <laughs>
0: It's a universal story. I, I think it just relates. We'll be talking about that another, uh, 20, 30 years, I think, down the road. Uh, before, you left before you could reveal who you wanted to be the Hobgoblin, uh, but you had a chance to make up for it with Ho- Spider-Man Hobgoblin Lives. Talk a bit about, you know, uh, when you left, was that kind of sad that you didn't get to wrap up, uh, who the
2: Hobgoblin was before you left? I, I was, I was satisfied. Okay. Tom was hired to take the phone call. In fact, it was it was funny because
1: mm-hmm.
2: I was sitting at home and I got a phone get a phone call from Tom, a- and he said, uh, uh, well, "You know that they've offered me Amazing Spider-Man." And I said, "That's great! You'll do a wonderful job on it." <laughs> and he says, "Well, thanks. I'm going to do it on one condition." And I said, "What's that?" He says, "You tell me who Hobgoblin is." <laughs> <laughs> because this has been driving him crazy for a while because when when uh, I'd come up with, with uh, the uh, first Todd album story and I turned in the script and I, and I said I, and I know who he is and Tom says okay who is he he says I'm not going to tell you he <laughs> says what do you mean you're not going to tell me I says if I don't tell you there's no possibility that you might slip and accidentally mention this to somebody <laughs> if, if something goes beyond two people it's out there yeah because someone's going to slip up and tell you he says if I don't tell you there's no chance of that happening. <laughs> Tom goes, "That's very smart." But just tell me before we get to <laughs> you'll, you'll know by that point because everything we find is fine. That's, that's yeah. fine. I'm satisfied with that. Yeah. So I didn't tell anybody. Yeah. You know, Tom didn't know. Jr. didn't know. I didn't tell my wife. Wow. Uh, Byrne called me up one day and says, "I really like this. I'm in character." He came up and says, "Oh, thank you." And he says, "Who is he?" he says, "I'm not going to tell you." <laughs> What do you mean? You're not going to tell me? He says, "I'm not going to tell you." And he says, "I told you that Guarding was going to die in Alpha Flight," and he says, "I didn't ask you to. You volunteered that." No one's. I'm not going to tell anyone. And every once in a while, he called me up. Is it this guy. No. No. <laughs> oh. That must be. Uh, you. You can keep a secret, man. I tell you what. <laughs> I, I, I've I've been keeping secret. I, I've 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 kept secrets that people didn't know were there. <laughs>
0: You you have the nuclear launch codes, don't you?
2: <laughs> One of those things. Where, where is? is uh, I know where Jimmy Hoffa is. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Third base,
0: behind third base, or what, the outfield is somewhere. I forget what.
2: <laughs> it's, it's supposed to be in in, in the Netherlands, isn't it? Some place yeah,
0: I don't. I don't know. <laughs> that, yeah. Uh, now you had with that Hobgoblin Lives mini series, you had a chance to go back. Well, actually, right. let, let, let's go back a little bit before. Um, was it, um, they revealed Ned Leeds to be the hobgoblin in that Spider Man Wolverine one shot? Uh, how did, how did
2: they? That, it was revealed, I think, in uh, Amazing, I don't know, is it 289, something like that? Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember the exact number. Yeah. Because it, it, it was revealed after the fact.
0: Okay. Ned,
2: Ned died in Spider Man Wolverine story. Yeah. And then a month or two later. In, in amazing, he mm-hmm. revealed after the fact that he'd been the Hobgoblin. Right. I mean, how did that come about that they
0: made Ned Leeds? Is it because you didn't tell anybody who who uh, the Hobgoblin was, or
2: it, it, as you may recall, uh-huh. as, I, as we just revealed, the <laughs> his condition for taking Amazing Spider-Man was that I tell him who the Hobgoblin was. Yeah. So I did, and I played fair. I said, it, it's, "It's Robert Kingsley." Okay. And he said, "Really?" And I said, "Really." But it doesn't matter because you're writing Amazing Spider-Man now mm-hmm. and you can make him whoever you want. Mm-hmm. All it has to do is, is fit, you know, the handful of clues that we've, we've thrown in there so far. Oh, okay. And, and so he went off and in, he and Tom, uh, he and Ron Friends did some, some great, uh, stories, I thought. Mm-hmm. And I've heard two or three different things. Okay. Yeah. One of the things was they were setting up Ned Leeds, but that was a fake. It was going to be someone else. They were, you know, sending everyone up so that they would think it was Ned Leeds, and then it's really this guy. Right. <clears throat> and then, before they could even get to the, the really seeding the things so that everyone think it was think it was Ned Leeds, Ned Leeds was killed in this other one-shot special.
0: Right.
2: And then, Tom and Ron were off of Amazing, and there was all this pressure. You gotta the hobgoblin is. So, you know, Peter David, you know, you yeah, know, making a silk purse out of his house here, you know, <laughs> Get everything he could, and did this, this uh, story, and amazing, revealed after the fact. Uh, pretty ingenious, really. Mm. But it was one of those things, I read it and I'm going, ah, here's the hole. There's a hole right here. <laughs> you know, I can take advantage of that.
1: You know?
2: Yeah. So every once in a while, someone would approach me about doing a Spider-Man story, and I said, well, listen, <clears throat> Ned Leeds wasn't the Hobgoblin. Uh, mm-hmm. If you want, I'll do a story where I show you who the Hobgoblin really was. No, we don't re- want to revisit that. Okay. <laughs> Next time we come along, you look, how about... No, oh, we don't it. Okay. <laughs> and, and finally, one day, Glenn Greenberg and Tom Brevoort called me up and said, you want to do the Hobgoblin story where you can do it the way you want it to. And I said, okay, okay that'd be cool. <laughs> and he says, is this one condition? What's that? You tell us <laughs> who we <it is. laughs> <laughs> okay, I've heard it before. Yeah, I will. You know, I get the things set up, and I'll tell you who he is. Yeah, because because you know, after all these years, we needed to set up a lot of major red herrings again.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And if you if you look at the various Spider-Man titles uh, for a few months before Hobgoblin and Lives came out, you'll notice the characters who haven't been seen in a while start turning up. Hmm. Uh, I th- think Lloyd uh, Kingsley shows up at, at some charity gala that Jameson is at. And, uh, Senator Martin shows up someplace else. And mm-hmm. a couple of the other characters who, you know, had been red herrings, who hadn't been around in a few years, show up so that people are, are sort of aware of them out there again. Right. And
0: it must be nice to tackle something that you've always wanted to finish. You know, oh, yeah. and not many creators get that chance.
2: Yeah, it, it, was, it was wonderful. It was yeah. a great experience. And, and Ron Friends drew a beautiful job. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was fun all the way around. Yeah.
0: And uh, you also returned back to Spectacular Spider-Man by having the Hobgoblin confront Norman after he came back to life. And he had great John Romita Sr. artwork on those covers, too. In those covers, yeah. I, yep.
2: uh, I, I was really only sort of contributed to that because Glenn Greenberg was, was writing Spectacular at the time. Mm-hmm. It was Spectacular, wasn't it? Yeah. It was yes. Yeah. And uh, he, he, he said, I want to do this story with Hobgoblin. I want you to co-plot it with me. And I said, okay, fine. You know, so we get on the phone and toss things back and forth, and came up with a story. And then he did the scripting, which is I, I tend to think I was the heavy lifting. So <laughs> there's more more uh, of of handiwork in there than, than mine. But it, it was fun taking part in that. And, yeah. You
0: know,
2: Kingsley was was sent off to some you know Caribbean island without an extradition treaty.
0: Yeah, he had a yeah. coconut drink or something he was sipping yeah. on.
2: Yeah, you know, <laughs> he'll you know, be back some probably. Yeah. It was one of those things where he was like. He, he sort of becomes, you know, fugitive financier Robert Vesco out there. <laughs> always about him in the newspaper, but you never know where he is. Yeah. Now, he really hasn't been
0: touched since, I think, 1998, uh, and except for Tom DeFalco, and Ron Friends brought him back in Spider-Girl. Which, have you been reading that book? What, what their uh, take I is?
2: I haven't seen it recently. Uh, Ron sent me copies of the last few issues of the previous run mm-hmm. before, at the relaunch of The Amazing Spider-Girl, whatever it is now. Right. And uh, they were having fun with him. You know, but, you know, of course, it's an alternate reality. So, sure, fine. yeah. <laughs> well,
0: it's, it's very much Roderick behind the mask, and and the, the Spider Girl run.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So,
0: yeah, I think they're doing a great job on it. He just recently exited the book, the, uh, uh-huh. the Hobgoblin. So, but uh, that was about '98 when you you put him on the beach, mm-hmm. and then in 2000 uh, you got to play in the Goblin Pumpkin Patch again. You got to t- tackle Norman Osborn this time. Well, that,
2: was, that was a weird experience because when I first. But Spider-Man Norman was still
0: dead. Yeah, he got, <laughs> I always say he got better. <laughs>
2: exactly. and, and now he's not anymore, so, okay. It was, it was, it was, it was a little weird right? but it was, it was kind of fun because Norman is crazy as a soup sandwich.
1: Was, <laughs> geez, a yeah. Out
0: there. I think that, was that The Return of the Goblin or Revenge of the Goblin? What was the name of that book? Revenge of the Green Goblin. Revenge yeah. of the Goblin, yeah. You, and, uh, is it true that you named his wife, Emily?
2: Because. Uh, I don't remember, I, Emily. Probably, it's been a while, so I don't remember now. Yeah. But uh, I, I'd have to go back. I, I don't know if, I, I don't recall at the moment if, if that had been previously established. There had been yeah. uh, a couple of stories that I think Mark DeMattis had written mm-hmm. in, in his run on Spectacular where we had like flashbacks to Norman
1: mm-hmm.
2: and as, as a boy and, and as a young married. And I, uh, I dug out all of those and, and went over them. At the moment, I can't remember if she had a name in that or not. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I may have given her, her, her the name, or it may have been in something that market established. I don't recall at this point. I guess uh, I can...
0: em, the Emily made an appearance in the, the new cartoon, and they called her Emily. So I was, I, I I thought that was from your miniseries. Talk a bit about that miniseries in 2000. How'd that come about?
2: Well, uh, uh, Howard Becky and and uh, Paul Jenkins were writing the two Spider-Man books. Mm-hmm. Uh, And uh, they, Ralph Macchio, uh, who was the editor then, uh, contacted me because they wanted to do a a big, you know, Norman as the Green Goblin story. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Uh, They wanted to to sort of just, they'd left Norman this sort of, just totally bug house out there, you know, thinking that he'd killed Spider-Man when he wouldn't, hadn't, and all of this. And so they wanted to, to, like, bring him back in a big way. Partly, I, I suppose, because he was going to be in the first movie. Right. They wanted to, you know, to re-establish him in and everything, so they, and they hit on the idea of me doing a miniseries to sort of restore Norman as a, vi- a viable uh, villain, explain oh. what he'd been through in all of this, and uh, set things up because they wanted to do a big crossover between Amazing and, and, and Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. And so I, I threw some ideas out, and we, we you know, some emails back and forth. I think it was at least one conference call. And so we were all on the same page, and then I, you know, wrote my miniseries and you know, to set up uh, their stuff. And It was kind of weird because, uh, because you know, it was it was definitely a challenge because uh, it was a setup for this other storyline. Right. But I wanted to play fair with the readers, so it was also sort of complete unto itself.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Although yeah. if you read it, <clears throat> the protagonist is the bad guy, and he wins. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep, so, I remember that. Oh yeah, you you cheated. <laughs> the good guy's supposed to win. The good guy always cheats. Yeah, exactly. Talk a bit about um, what's your thoughts on Norman returning? I mean, that that's been a big controversial issue with Spider-Man fans. You
2: we know, don't. It's it's not something that I would have done.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But even saying that, the way they did it mm-hmm. made a weird weird sort of twisted sense for Norman. That he was behind all of this because Norman's crazy, right? uh, But he's also so incredibly devious that I can see him coming up with this weird, elaborate Byzantine scheme to to you know screw with Spider Man. Yeah,
0: and and uh, uh, the Goblin is more of a sixty. The Green Goblin is more of a '60s and '70s villain. And I grew up in the '80s, and the Hobgoblin is my Goblin. And I, I just think it t- uh, by re- making Norman come back, it kind of puts the Hobgoblin in like a secondary role. I mean, why mess with the the successor when you got the original? I guess is, it, is that a, is that a problem? I guess I mean.
2: <laughs> well, we haven't se- we haven't seen uh, Robert for a while, so yeah. maybe he has. But then he's out there, satisfied on, on his island. Mm-hmm. But maybe he won't be forever. Yeah, you know, I, I, I keep getting you know emails and fan mail from various people and things on message boards saying, oh, now that you're back on Spider-Man, you you should, you know, do this big thing because, you know, before, Gomer wasn't really in costume, so you could really have, you know, the two goblins going at each other and going, well, that's very nice, except I'm not back on (laughs) Spider-Man. I'm I'm writing a Spider-Man story, yeah. Yeah. There's a whole brain trust of guys working on Spider-Man. So, you know, if if they like the story that, that I'm writing if it, it's successful and, and people want to see more of it, maybe we'll do something with that, but, you know, mm-hmm. maybe someone else has plans for it. I don't know. All
0: right. well, I, I would love to see him put down the coconut drink and, and give Spider-Man some trouble again. <laughs> now, a few, a few months ago, we uh, I interviewed uh, Amazing Spider-Man editor Steve Wacker, and, and he was <clears throat> kind of talking about how you, how you do have a new Spider-Man story coming up. What can you tell us? What what uh, I know you can't spoil it, but is there any hints or anything you can tell us what's coming up? It's
2: been plotted. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's been passed along to the artist, who I'm still keeping a secret for the time being, although I will say that he's drawn Spider-Man before.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And uh, it involves a villain that I'd planned to have Spider-Man fight. Mm -hmm. I never got around to.
0: Okay. And I know I can't get any secrets out of you, because you won't tell anybody who's the (laughs) Hobgop one is. 16 years or so. Yeah, um, can could you answer if it's in the past or the present? The story. Oh, it's
2: definitely it's definitely a present day story. Yes. Okay. Okay, and will it appear in Amazing? Uh, that's the plan. Okay. Awesome. As, as soon as it, you know it's drawn, and okay. uh, closer to being done, you know I figured Steve will schedule it someplace where it's most advantageous to them. Yeah.
0: And um, a guesstimate of when we could see this story, when we could read it.
2: I uh, don't know, but. I know they have a lot of stuff in the works. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, probably not before the end of the year. You know maybe next year sometime.
0: Okay. And, uh guesstimate of how how many issues it'll run?
2: It's just one issue. One just issue one story. issue.
0: Okay. Well, I want you back on the title for for a long time. <laughs> I mean, okay. uh, what can we do to make this happen? <laughs> buy right. buy a lot of the copies of the one issue.
2: We'll buy a lot of copies of the one issue. Maybe you know if, if uh, that uh, Spider-Man visionaries uh, mm-hmm. of, of my work, you know, you know, sells out, I don't know. Uh, see, <laughs> you pleasant, know, you know, so polite fan letters are always appreciated. And the, uh, write them down, don't
0: email them, I hear.
2: I don't know. Don't email. I mean, I, I, that was, after I'd, I'd written uh, The rings of the Green Goblin mm-hmm. uh, story, uh, I was finishing up at... Um, there were like three miniseries I was writing simultaneously at one point. And for, for, a, for a three-month window, I was writing all three of them.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: so I finished, uh, I'd finished. i uh, finished the Avengers of Infinity miniseries and, and okay. wrapped uh, The Revenge of the Green Goblin, and I still had a couple of issues of Marvel's Lost Generation to, to finish. And uh, Ralph Macchio, who was then the Spider-Man editor, uh, was... Really wanted me to do some more uh, Spider-Man miniseries or something, and we talked about the possibility of doing a Vulture story and,
1: yeah.
2: and some other things. <clears throat> and uh, I said, okay, I'm, so I'm going to finish up this other series I'm working on, and then we're going to take a month off because I'm, I'm really beat, and then we'll talk some more.
1: Right. And
2: in the month that, in, in that intervening month, the cosmic axes uh, shifted editorially again, and, and Ralph was no longer the Spider-Man editor, and. Right. Uh, the new fellow who came in, uh, Axel Alonzo, uh, was really interested in me doing some Spider-Man stuff. Mm-hmm. But then things happened, and i sent send emails, got no reply, you know, no reply to phone messages. So after a while, I didn't need the wall to fall on me. And <clears> uh, I figured, well, I guess they don't want me to do anything. Yeah. You know, well,
0: that must be frustrating. You know, you you have such a, a great history with the character, but and you want to come back to it, but it's just a timing
2: issue, I guess. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, other people have other ideas, and, and mm-hmm. there are certainly other business considerations with all yeah. movies and, and, and such. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it would be nice just to say, no, we're not interested. You know, getting no answer is the biggest frustration.
0: Oh yeah, no, no reply. Well, it. it uh, I, I will encourage everybody to buy this one issue coming up by the end of the year. And we'll wrap up the first hour right about there. We still have another hour with Roger. You know, he's really great, isn't he? I just enjoy this interview a lot. We'll answer all of your message board questions on the next show. And in the meantime, if you liked Roger's interview and would like to read more from him, you can order some of his trade paperbacks at mailordercomics.com. Just go to the search bar on the left-hand side of their site and type in his name, Roger Stern. And they have his Spider-Man Visionaries Roger Stern book the cover price is twenty four ninety nine. dollars Mail order has it on sale for $15.49. Again, that's mailordercomics.com. I'm Brad Douglas and as always, thanks for listening and visiting the Spider-Man com.